The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Dr. Savari Brown is a health educator, licensed professional counselor, and counselor educator. She owns and runs an Atlanta-based private counseling practice and is an adjunct professor. She works with couples, individuals, and families to empower them to take positive steps towards a more fulfilled life. Dr. Brown believes that change comes with an actionable plan, accountability, and positive reinforcement. Dr. Brown has successfully supported individuals through various difficulties and life changes. Her clients walk away from her sessions feeling empowered, more confident in their decision-making processes. Family, let's welcome Dr. Tavari Brown to the Minding My Black Business podcast. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. All right, family. For today's episode, we have a special guest. I think we might be cousins. This is the Tavari Taylor-Brown. I am so excited to talk to you. We've had an opportunity to exchange ideas via social media. And, um, you know, that's really sort of what sponsored or what prompted um, our connection. And so I can't wait to pick your brain about all those things that we talk about on Instagram and Facebook. So welcome to the podcast. How are you, Dr. Brown? (laughs) I am fantastic, and I'm just so excited to be in your company, and I know that this will be a very um, special and magical hour for both you and I and your listeners. All right. I'm ready for magic. I'm ready for it. So (laughs) before we get into our questions, can you introduce yourself to the family and then let them know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tavari Brown. I am an Atlanta-based counselor, so mental health counselor, therapist. I'm also a counselor educator, so I'm a professor. Um, I have a master's degree in public health, so I really love focusing on health-related issues. My um, personal Instagram is Dr. Tavari, T-A-V as in Victor, A-R-I underscore therapy, but my business is actually called TTB Health Consulting, so you can find me on Facebook, on the gram at TTB Health or TTB Health Consulting, and also on Twitter as Dr. Tavari. But just really excited to really focus on um, health issues, and I do a lot of couples work, and am recently in private practice. I've actually had a private practice for 10 years, but now have gone full-time. So that's what really attracted me to minding my Black business, but also, you know, kind of looking at it from a melanated perspective. So not only going into business, but being, you know, a woman and a woman of color in business. Absolutely. I love that. So I know one of the things that you um, mentioned about the work that you do is that you address things from a holistic perspective and specifically um, use the phrase holistic wellness um, as being a specialty of yours. So for those who are maybe not in the field, what does that mean? What does holistic wellness mean? How do you go about helping folks who are in need of services? What's the concept of holistic wellness? It's really looking at the entire self. So, um, you know, whether whether or not you have, let's say you have diabetes or you have a chronic disease, you have cancer, or maybe you're having um, 
challenges with parenting, or maybe you're somebody who's divorced and you're having, you know, kind of challenges in your, in your interpersonal relationships. A lot of times when you go to a doctor, they're talking to you specifically about the thing that brought you through the door. So I spent nine years working with cancer patients. And what I would tell people is, you know, they give you that energy. They walk through the door and it's like, hi, I'm breast cancer. Mm. It's like, well, no, you're not. You know, there are so many more interesting things about you. You know, you're, you're Janae, but you're, you know, uh, uh, someone's sister, you're a church member, you're a family member, you're a community member, you're a business owner. You know, and to me, all those other things are far more interesting than a tumor site. So with my cancer patients, I used to say, I really want to hear about who you are professionally and socially and emotionally. And I want to see cancer move to the end of the sentence. I want you to be able to say, you know, this is who I am. And this, these are the things that I love. And oh, by the way, I'm also a cancer survivor. I think the same thing helps, happens with mental health counseling, that people come in and it's all about this problem, you know, and it's being problem-centered. And, and you know as well as I do that so many of the things in our life um, contribute to those things, you know, kind of maintain that homeostasis keeps us in balance either in the right place uh-huh. or homeostasis also keeps us in balance in the wrong places. Right. So really looking at not just the issue that the person brings into the room, but also what are the things around you that are keeping that issue in place or are helping you to make a change. So really looking at people from, you know, head to toe, you know, interpersonally, socially, emotionally, physically, all aspects of their lives. Mm. Wow. And so I, I think that that is, you know, I'm completely biased, but (laughs) I I think that's the best way to go because you're right. We don't operate in these vacuums and it takes away that idea of, um, I am just my illness, um, or, you know, I'm just my diagnosis. And so, um, the idea that you sort of look at the whole being, um, to work with them or to address their concerns, um, seems like that would be uh, a much better road to success. And so, yeah. and is that, so the way that you have chosen to do that, is that connected to the fact that you have a public health background or where did I that think come? so. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, mental health was my first love. So when I was 10 years old, I, my mother had a medical dictionary and I looked up psychiatrists and psychologists mm-hmm. and, you know, as a 10 year old said, well, I don't want to deal with real crazy people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that my 10 year old self said, I want to deal with the wellness model. I want to mm-hmm. deal with the, the developmental model. I want to recognize that as we go through life, there are natural transitions that occur And because it's changed, sometimes we have a hard time adapting to those changes. So even, um, you know, one of my passions is working with people with end of life issues. And some people say, well, that's really morbid. But I think in our culture, we're so we're quick to deny that the fact that if we celebrate life, why can't we celebrate death? Mm. That that's the one promise that we are all going someplace. And that means that every person that we love at some point is going to die and that that, that that's going to occur. Deny it if you want, but it's going to happen to you. So are you prepared for either your life ending or the lives of your loved one ending? And one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure that people have a good death. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, getting the work done. If there are, uh, if there's unfinished business with, in relationships and finances, uh, unfinished conversations, having those conversations prior to that moment of someone transitioning. And when, when people do that, it is, it is beautiful. It is beautiful to see people have that work done and leave this, this plane at peace. Mm. Wow. 
that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah, being able to sort of have peace in that way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I do think the I think the public health degree helped. I also um, currently um, counsel bariatric patients for a plastic surgeon, and you know I, I love him because he recognized that he's coming in as this kind of one shot deal performing a surgery, but food and eating is is obviously lifelong. Unlike other addictions, you can't avoid food. You know, we have to we have to eat every day and we're asking ourselves to do that well every day. And then the other piece is even the uh, facility where I where I work, if I look out the window, I can count about a dozen fast food restaurants. Mm -hmm. So if that's your vice, if that's your weakness, the food is your obsession and it's everywhere, then every day that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I appreciate about, um, you know, so let me say this before I say that, uh, you know, uh, through social media, you get a chance to get a snapshot, however accurate that is, uh, <laughs> of what somebody's right. doing, <laughs> uh, particularly in their, in their business thing. And so one of the things I appreciate about your account is the way in which you, um, sort of live life i'm thinking like one moment um it might be a picture in your office the next moment you're what is that you were doing the other day with like the ropes and stuff and so i was like man she is killing it in terms of like (laughs) adventure seeking and just sort of living life um and i think that's really um helpful for people to see particularly in their um you know mental health professionals and that was actually one of the things that sort of um caught my eye originally with your account I think you were I think you had on like a minding my black business tape top or something oh and... yes I got your attention yes <laughs> and I was like oh, they, oh. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I was just curious like what was it about the the I hate to call it the brand but what was it about minding my black my, minding my black business products that sort of drew you to to it well, you know, it's really interesting. So you you mentioned um, the fact that I'm an aerialist. Aerialist, like there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like Cirque du Soleil with the, with the silks. And um, I began Ariel about six years ago. And, um, you know, the group that I joined initially, they moved, you know, on the north side of Atlanta. And I live on the south side, south mm-hmm. side of Atlanta. And there's no way I'm dry commuting to Roswell when I live in Atlanta. Right. Um, and then there was a, a young woman who branched off and she was teaching in her home. Then she left, but she had employed um, another aerialist who was African-American, um, who's actually from Cameroon. So she's literally African and, and American, an American mother and a Cam- Cameroonian father. And um, I really wanted to support her business. So I knew that I'm looking at this other black woman who happened to have had an MPH as well, who's a few years younger than me. Um, I used to work at CDC, so did she. And I looked at her and said, I I have a vested interest in your success. So this is something that I want to do. This is something that I enjoy. It's a great workout, but I'm going to intentionally come to you because I want to see you succeed too. So um, in terms of minding my black business, you know, as I mentioned before, I've had my practice kind of in name for 10 years. So I worked for a hospital system for nine years and then uh, got laid off this past April and, but immediately kind of had a ring to swing to. And that's what I call that, you know, when, whether it's in relationships or work, when you won't let go of the old thing until you have a new thing within right. reach, that, that, that can be negative too. Right, however, right, right. <laughs> however, um, 
you know, when I was laid off, I, I knew that I had a safety net that I had knitted for myself with, you know, with my private practice and with my husband's support, being able to do the things that I didn't know how to do. And that was, you know, now I need to get on insurance panels. Now I need to know how to market myself. And, you know, being a, a one woman machine, I know that I need community. I need community as a therapist. I need other therapists to kind of bounce things off of. I need community as, as a woman. I need, I need community as a person of color. I need somebody who can check me, you know, because I recognize that there are times where it's me and there are times where it's you. Right. And so even, even for right. me to come, to come to someone and say, Hey, is it just me? Mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, having that sense of community to bounce off of, I wasn't a part of, you know, kind of the, the Facebook um, therapy community until, you know, the last three months when I said, I need to find my community. I need to find mm-hmm. my, my sisters. I need to find my fellow therapists. I need to find my fellow tele- telehealth therapists. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working for someone else, you, you, and I said this to one of my um, interns, because the other thing that I do is actually um, supervise LAPC, so individuals who are um, building towards licensure. Mm-hmm. And um, what I, I said, what I said to her on Friday was, when you're in, when you work for an institution, you can become institutionalized. Mm-hmm. So you become, you know, so bought into their system that that becomes your community that you don't spend a lot of time networking and finding community beyond that space. Because for me, you know, burrowing into safety, it feels so safe. It feels so right. secure. You know, you have a check coming in on the first and the fifteenth. You know, that that there's a, you know, a policy. So there are individuals to talk to when you're not sure whether or not you're doing things within, you know, your ethical boundaries or if you want to bounce Mm -hmm. things off of them. But when you're in business for yourself and you know, and your listeners know that you can very easily create a very interesting island and not have somebody to kind of check you to help you to grow that kind of, you know, steel sharpen steel. So I immediately was in, in search of, who's going to help me grow and evolve and um, become the best, not only therapist that I can be, but also supervisor and businesswoman. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like um, these things sort of converged around a perfect time for you because there is a thing of the, you know, the resources being out there, but if you're not in a space where you're ready to challenge yourself in the ways that you mentioned, then it doesn't matter <laughs> sort of what's out there um, in terms of your ability to, to step into it or take it on. Um, so yeah. And that's kind of the, the, you know, that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, I'd always had this little kind of stepping stool sitting there for me and I just used that as a springboard. But I think the other thing that just became apparent to me immediately when I'm going to these, you know, kind of small business and, you know, new private practice, you know, kind of support groups for therapists was this feeling amongst, I would say amongst therapists and amongst women, because that's who I was in contact with, but this, this feeling of scarcity, that everybody's your competition. And I'll tell you, I think one of the healthiest things I did was to go into this process, not looking at you or, uh, Joy Harden, Bradford, or any of the other, um, you know, clinicians in Atlanta as my competition, but as my community and recognizing that, you know, if I come in with the attitude of, if I eat, you eat, then you'll Mm -hmm. feel the same, then hopefully you'll feel the same way about me. 
you know, maybe I'm a good hunter and you're a good gatherer. Right. But, you know, I could sit over here and, and have a high protein diet and eat all <laughs> meat while, while while you're over there, you know, being a, a fantastic bunny rabbit. Right. But, you know, what if we just can't, what if we brought what we have to the table together and make sure Absolutely. that we both eat? So yeah. there's never, so no one ever starves. Absolutely. So in the wintertime, you're not starving because of a lack of vegetation. And in the summertime, I'm not starving because I'm so hot and sweaty. I can't catch the animals. Right. Yeah. Right. For, forgive me for going too far into the analogy, no, I, but no, however, <laughs> I get it. I get However, it. can we all come to the table? Can I support you? And one of the first things that I did was, you know, I, I was getting phone calls in for whatever reason. I, I know that, you know, I have gotten it, you know, from that marketing piece. I don't have a degree in marketing, mm -hmm. but I do see what people are doing on social media and let me right. emulate what people are doing who look successful. So I went out immediately and got new headshots. And mm -hmm. I know that there are, there's a certain clientele. So I'd mentioned um, therapy for black girls. Mm -hmm. I get a certain clientele from that website. Right. They look, they look very much like me on paper. They look good on paper. They have, they are degreed. They come in, you know, eyebrows on fleek, mm -hmm. weave tight, mm -hmm. hot shoes high. Some, some of them got red paint on the bottom of them. There you you know go. what I'm saying? That's it. They, they come, they come in ready. And one of my clients, I said, you just like, you just stepped off a private jet. My wow. office is right by, by Hartsville Jackson airport. Ah, like, you want to get out the plane. Right. And then she, you know, the door closes and she, and she puts it down. Mm -hmm. But so I, I know that people are attracted to me to me to, because of a certain image, you know, mm -hmm. something they projected on me. Right. I also know that, I'm just because someone connects to, to me on paper, connects with me in my photo, doesn't mean I'm the right person for them. Absolutely. So one of the first things I began doing was when I would get phone calls in from clients, I would really bet, you know, mm. determine whether or not I was the best fit for them. Right. Now, mind you, that's money for me. So I have yeah. somebody, I have a potential customer coming to my door and there have been times where I have referred them away. Right. Why? Not because I don't need the money, but because I know that there's somebody else who's even better for them. Mm -hmm. And I think by, by making that offering to other, other professionals, other entrepreneurs, other therapists, then that's me saying, Hey, here's some meat, right? Hey, here, right. here, this is what I'm going to bring to your door. Mm -hmm. Whether, whether or not, whether or not you directly bring something to my door, that's okay. Cause I know somebody will. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I think, I think we get caught in that, though. I think it's easy to get caught into the, in the competition as opposed to community. I think it's a hundred percent agree with you, particularly when you are in um, entrepreneurship. But I think that serves you well. I, I think you put some goodness out into the earth when you do things like that in terms of vetting, vetting folks, and then realizing that I'm not the best matchup for you because um, that's going to uh, end in a premature uh, termination, or maybe they will come in not feeling completely comfortable, or something's going to happen in that dynamic where you're not be, you're not able to do your best work, and so it benefits you and the client to go ahead and do that from the jump. But you're absolutely right; that is money walking out of the door. But the idea that you're seeing these people more than that, um, and you know that is that's probably the most helpful thing you can do is to say, you know, I appreciate. Um, you coming into this first session, um, but I realized there might be somebody who can help you even more. Um, I think that speaks yeah, to you, absolutely. And, and it'll stick with them. You know, when it comes to the next time they hear somebody want to talk about therapy, they're like, "Well, I know somebody you can go to, and and they'll even help you find somebody if it doesn't work out." So you know, now you yeah. created a referral source. So um, mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely correct in that. Yeah. 
Wow. So you have had um, some tr tremendous reflection um, around uh, getting back into your your private practice and how you wanted to do it and how you want to navigate the landscape and the environment and how you wanted to be with others. Um, so one of the things that I'm also curious about as you have been doing that, um, you know, I know that I've seen you with the, the shirts on and we have been talking about this too, um, sort of in connection to um, another interview I was doing about the reactions of folks when they wear their Minding My Black Business shirt um, so or merchandise. Um, and so some of them, most of them have been positive. Most of the, the things that I'm hearing from folks have been positive. Actually, everything has been positive. What has, what has been interesting is um, they, you know, it's almost like you have to go out recognizing that you could get one of two responses <laughs> when you're wearing mm -hmm. the shirt or the merchandise. And one is, well, maybe three. One is pure curiosity. Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pure, three. Well, go yeah. ahead. Pure curiosity. Um, and another one is people reading it and then, you know, projecting their own meaning into what that is and being, like, very excited um, to see you in it. They might approach you or they might just sort of, you know, internally nod or whatever. And then other people might feel put off by it. Um, and the ways in which I have heard about that is that people are seeing it as negative. Um, and particularly, I think of the phrase, the word black is being the most negative. So minding my black business right. for some reason seems to rub people really wrong. Um, and almost they take offense to it not almost but they do take offense to it which i find to be really really interesting and so um so what has your experience been like in wearing um, and wearing your stuff you know it's been really interesting so i think that my initial well first and foremost like the t-shirts are fantastic mm -hmm. they are a great material i think you did a great job you know kind of parent partnering with someone to you know print them and distribute yeah. them yeah. um they're great for, you know, I've, I've never been accused of being petite. So they're, they're great for those of us who have, you know, a curve and are longer here and thicker there. And I, I love it. The material's fantastic. Oh, thank so, you. So, and, but I, I, of course, love the message. And, you know, I'm a business owner. My husband has a separate business. I mentioned that, you know, I do Ariel with someone who's a business owner. My best friend has her own business. So I immediately, you know, picked out a bunch of stuff and hit, hit purchase, you know, <laughs> I was going to distribute it. Right. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I, 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 my, my bias was, you know, it being in Atlanta. So being mm -hmm. in a, 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 a black Mecca of the South, Absolutely, as long as yeah. you're within the, as long as you're within the perimeter, yeah. my first thought was, how will white people respond to this? So how will non-melanated mm -hmm. people respond to this? Mm -hmm. Um, what I what I didn't consider was the experience that I've had with melanated people and mm. their views of black businesses. Mm. So it is it is my opinion that we put a very high standard on black businesses in yeah. terms of their customer service. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are people who are really close to me who are critical of black businesses because they feel like black businesses take black customers for granted. And because of that, don't necessarily, aren't either necessarily professional or concerned with 
customer service excellence. Mm. That has, that, that I've always kind of um, pondered that, you know, that, that position only right. because, you know, we spend so much of our money in, in big box places, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so of course they're able to have a standard and do things well right. because they have, they're generating enough income to get rid of people who aren't working out mm-hmm. to train mm-hmm. their employees, to, have a certain policy, maybe they've, you know, they've been um, in business for, for, you know, five decades or a hundred years, you know, so they've been able to kind of work through the kinks. I have, I feel like I've always wanted to give, whether it's a small business or a black business, that grace, Mm -hmm. you know, of, I know it's, you know, even with the, the, there was a man um, who was fixing my shoes, a a Chinese man, Mm -hmm. and, you know, his doors would be locked during business hours. And I gave him tremendous grace because I know he's the only person in there working. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. Maybe he needed to go get lunch, you know, that he doesn't have the ability to bring somebody else in. But I think that was, that was the kind of the first challenge was, you know, the, the negative perceptions amongst black folks. The other thing is I wore the shirt driving from Atlanta to Pensacola, Florida, and, you know, going through, going to Pensacola, you gotta, I I know you, I I know you know that mobile. I sure do. (laughs) I know you do. I know you do. (laughs) So even, you know, for, for some of your listeners, you know, who may not be familiar with uh, the panhandle of Florida, there used to be a derogatory name for it Mm. um, in terms of, class and race and yeah. but I didn't flinch wearing the shirts I'm you know we're stopping at all the gas stations or whatever and I think some of it is my own confidence in who I am and mm-hmm. you know that I'm a presence I'm a presence regardless you know when I walk into the room so people are gonna project things on me they have their own perception so for me to add just another layer doesn't bother me Right. I think it was interesting for my husband to wear to wear the shirt in Metro Atlanta and get positive responses. So he's wearing it to the barber shop, and they're like, mm. "I need one of those," you know, you know, in, in black businesses. But right. I think that you know, it's for him. It felt a little bit divisive, you know. Mm-hmm. For him, it was I'm going to wear this with pride because it is important for us as as black entrepreneurs to support each other. It is important for us to step out there and say where the fact that I am a black business owner, follow me to my business. Right. But I think for him, it felt divisive because of what is our own internalized biases. Mm-hmm. And I even question, you know, is some, is some of this kind of a systematic bias? Mm-hmm. Is it that we're concerned that it's 1950 and if white folks know that we have our own businesses, they're going to ruin us or they're going to burn it down? Mm-hmm. Or is it that is it so institutionalized and ingrained in us to not trust each other or trust ourselves mm-hmm. that that's what keeps us, that's what's holding us back as well. So that's why I wanted to explore this topic with you. Yeah. You bring up so many good points. Goodness gracious. Uh, no, I love it. I, so, you know, some of the things that I've been contemplating is, um, so when I, the shirt on its own, it didn't even occur to me um, once the shirts, uh, you know, were available and, you know, I was wearing mine out um, to go to other black businesses. Um, and I sort of, I think when I wear the shirt, I kind of have like a laser focus. Like usually I'm going to go do something um, 
or if I'm going to be social, I'm intentional about wearing the, sh- the shirt. And so I'm really like hyper-focused on whatever that task is and maybe not as much on people's questions or, or reactions. And so a lot of this has become, a lot of my insight around this has been because people have told me their experiences, um, which makes it interesting. I'm like, well, what? Nobody said anything to me. I'm waiting on my, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting yeah, on my yeah. interaction in public. Um, now I have gotten like, oh, I like that shirt when I'm going to do that one particular thing. Um, and so I think there's like this thing of how do I uh, so not necessarily it's it's just not just wearing the shirt, but the idea of saying that I much like what you said, I'm firm in my identity and I am feeling confident about what it is that I'm going to do. So minding my black business is is really connected to entrepreneurship but it also could mean i'm going to do my business of the day whether that means going to the bank going to work out going to pick up the kid like i'm just minding my own my own agenda um and so i'm I'm standing i'm standing sort of firm in that and so the idea that somebody could have an issue with that um it's confusing, but it also is not confusing because I recognize that there are spaces in which people who are in the majority culture feel like you're not, that's not okay to do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. who, who gives you the right and the autonomy to go do your thing in the way that you wish to do it. And so to walk around yeah. with it literally on your chest uh, right. <laughs> is problematic. And so that's what I, that's what I wanted to be confronted with. Yeah. I wanted somebody to say to me, what if I wore a shirt saying, minded my white business? Like I had, a, I had a scripted answer prepared. Yeah, you did. <laughs> But that was my own bias, just thinking, yeah. you know, yeah. well, how will other, how will people in the majority respond to this? Right. Not how will people who I think should be able to relate to it respond to it? Right. Now that, that part is quite interesting. And so, you know, one of the people who, a dear friend of mine who um, actually lives in Mississippi and was uh, wearing it, I think they might've had like a casual day at work and so wore um, one of the shirts um, was actually called in, called into the office, the you know the manager's office or supervisor's office, because a fellow colleague had an issue with the shirt, um, and so this friend went on. <laughs> they it's, they picked the right person to pull it. To the, right, <laughs> so, right. They were <laughs> a teachable moment. Right. They they wanted a teachable moment. Right, right. They chose so, the right. So, right. And so right. here we go. Here we go. Let's go. So. <laughs> so uh, they presented like the whole message behind the point of the shirt. And so for you to find any other issue with it without even checking in with me about what the shirt means, um, it's not my issue. I can't address something that we, that there's no space to talk about it. And so um, I think, you know, from that point on created a, created a, a stand uh, around you, you can't police, <laughs> you can't police right. my body. And so um so yeah, so I had I had heard about those things, and then, but you're absolutely right. The idea of of people who look like us and and share the same culture, sort of having this pushback around what it means to um, to engage with black businesses is is heartbreaking. Really, I've, that's not unfamiliar to me. Um, I can't say that I haven't rolled my eyes at slow <laughs> slow customer service or whatever, um, but I definitely have a level of empathy now. <laughs> Right. Uh, and understanding that goes with that. But you're absolutely right. Um, that does sort of change the narrative when we're sort of sitting in our own community hearing people 
um, say things that don't feel good about who we are. Yes, and I but I can name a big box store that's notorious for its low service. Mm. But, but but you'll keep going back there because right. it's convenient. It's in your neighborhood or whatever. But do you give do you, do you either give the same grace or more grace? to a smaller business that's that's trying to get its feet up under itself i think the other kind of subtext to minding my black business and you know wearing a shirt or carrying around the journal or whatever um is i think another piece of that is even if you are just running to the grocery store and going to get the kids i do think there's an interesting subtext of how dare you Mm. be minding your black business hello right (laughs) <laughs> right or what business do you have what is right it? right <laughs> right is it is it a secret is it right. you know can i right. why can't i mind your black business right that's it that's it right that's it what right. are you trying to hide exactly exactly i don't think i gave you the authority to do that right so why, right. So why are you doing it yeah and it also and it also says are you saying that i'm not minding my black business mm. And it, you know, the same thing happens, you know, in our, in, in the human services program, whether it's counseling or social work, a lot of times for those addictions classes, they'll make you do something like not participate in, you know, drinking or smoking for a month. And even when I did that exercise as a master's student, it was interesting to see, you know, of my friend who was supporting me, we went out and she was like, oh, I know that you don't want to drink this month, but here, why don't you hold this, um, tonic water with a lime so that people think that you're having a drink Mm. so i noted that and then i was this is before i was married so i was dating somebody who um we had gone away for the weekend and um we were out to dinner i went to the restroom and i came back and there's a glass of wine on the table and he said oh well nobody will know that you're actually drinking so noted but i think you know that's when i recognized particularly with substance use or substance use or any substance because even like i said i'm in i I work with bariatric patients right and you know what it means to the homeostasis to the balance Mm -hmm. when you try to make a change so if i make a change if i say you know what we're all at dinner but i'm gonna i'm gonna choose something healthy off the menu the reason why the other people are peer pressuring you to do something different it has very little to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has to do with what are you saying about them if you're making a different choice from them. Right. So even going back to minding my black business, like yeah. I think some of that, how dare you go into business? How dare you step out on faith? Mm-hmm. How dare you trust and believe that people are interested in what you have to give mm-hmm. is the fact that that person isn't willing to take those risks. Right. Did I go too deep? No. Don't let I'm, me go too I'm, deep. I'm swimming all in that. I'm, I love okay. It. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so just by putting on a t-shirt, I feel Listen. like I'm wearing all of this. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're bringing everybody's things to the surface. And I, but I keep putting it on because I love the discussion. <laughs> and I love the shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts, which is why you caught me on Instagram exercising yes. and reminding my black business t-shirt. <laughs> Because it was my best option that day. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, given that you have had all these thoughts, I love this. I feel like we could be talking about this for days. Right, I um, told you that. You were were forewarned. (laughs) Don't act like I didn't say. We can keep going. No, I went, I full-fledged fell right into it. You better put the rails up because I'm going to drive this train right off. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. What if you had to give almost like 
an instruction manual because I was originally thinking warning, but I'm going to take that away because that's negative. If you mm -hmm. had to give an instruction manual for people who um, have just purchased their shirts or their merchandise, their Mind and My Black Business merchandise, what sorts of things would you tell them that they might need to to focus on? Or what instructions would you give them at all um, in terms of like wearing the merchandise? I think it's I think it's very similar to going into business on your own. So you know that it's the same answer I'm going to give later on in our conversation at the end, and that's about being authentic and true to yourself, mm -hmm. and you know embracing your self actualization. So you know, I, I think one of my other thoughts for individuals wearing the shirt is that they might think, well, you know, I'm open to all customers who come in, and I don't want to isolate or turn right. away you know someone who's of the majority but not living in fear yes so whether you're you know whether it's opening your business or wearing the shirt you know that that you to not live in fear to wear it with confidence and to wear it with pride and and to know what it means to you to mind your black business mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think that is um a misconception that comes up every once in a while that to mind my black business means to exclude everybody else mm -hmm. um it's not <laughs> that's, that's right not, that's not it at all uh i mean that happens to be my focus i'm hyper focused on us and all of our business um mm -hmm. but your business could be a whole bunch of things and so right. um it's not to change that it's not to steer you away from that um but really exactly what you're saying being really clear about um what you're doing why you're doing it um because even whether you're wearing the shirt or not as a black entrepreneur you'll get pushed on that you'll get questioned by that and so um being prepared for when that when that time when that time comes yeah, yeah so i think you do have to be ready to respond to what does that mean to you what does it mean to me to mind my black business mm -hmm. that's a good question yeah yeah that's a lovely segue. <laughs> so what does it mean to you? What does mining my black business mean to you? Um, and as I was saying before, you know, just really approaching it with an, a, a sense of openness mm -hmm. and a sense of community and that I am here to support my community, whatever I see my community as being, mm -hmm. but also that I'm not hiding. Right. So that that that's either wearing the shirt or or promoting my business that mm -hmm. I'm here to help and that I'm not going to live in fear mm -hmm. and that I'm not afraid to ask for help and to ask for support. Yeah, I love that. Man, we need a commercial. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Dr. Brown, you have been wonderful. Um, this has been phenomenal. Um, and you have percolated so many other questions. I'm going to have to bring you back. You got to come back. All right. Fantastic. Uh, on the show. And so. And I know you have your um, the, your, your uh, master class or masterminds that you're yes, coming up with. Masterminds. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So, yes, this has been a wonderful way to 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 wet the juices. I appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah. So and, it's, and it's a pleasure for me to, to sit with you for a moment and you know, carve out some time to connect and particularly as Mining My Black Business, the podcast is reaching its uh, one year anniversary. It's really, really special to be involved. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So if you want to know more and you like what you heard, don't forget to like, 
subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Also, follow the movement on our website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages, under Minding My Black Business, and on Twitter, under Minding My Black Biz. So peace and blessings to us all, family. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, let them know that you're minding my black business.